series, you might be thinking, this is the wrong sermon series. It's not. We're just messing with you. That's all. We're messing with you. So we did start a new sermon series two weeks ago called The Bible, A Unified Story Leading to Jesus. And we just finished a series called Life Together, a sermon series on community and diversity. But there's one more message from this sermon series, Life Together, that we're going to talk about today because it's the day of the ministry fair. And this is uh, an important message for us because we are a six-month-old church plant. And as a six-month-old church plant, everyone here is a part of building something really special. And I'm telling you, this is, you are a part of something really, really special. Forever how long, how long or short you are at Mosaic, you are a part of building a very special church that you'll be able to look back at at some point and say, I was a part of building that. Your presence here is what's making this ministry uh, possible, just you being here today, which is really cool. So I got this picture up on the screen. This is from September 19th, 2021, uh, just about a year ago, about a year ago, about 13 months ago. This was our first Mosaic gathering. So in church planting world, you'd call this a launch team, and here at Martin Luther King Park in Grand Rapids, we had 27 humans show up at the park, and 16 adults, three teens, and eight kids. And this was the beginning of Mosaic Church. And, and what's so cool about that gathering, and this picture of our first ever gathering, is that fast forward a year since that date, we've, we've got to experience together six baptisms, yeah, amen, right, right? People that have, that have publicly declaring, I'm following Jesus. My life has been changed by Jesus. And we have more coming next month. We've seen 10, including, including some overlap with some of the baptisms, 10 new salvation decisions. People saying, I'm following Jesus. I've accepted Christ as my Savior. This summer at Summer Lights, we got to share the gospel between Summer Lights and the Fire Small Groups with over 200 youth we got to share the gospel with this summer, right? Can we, I mean, that, that's incredible to think about, the seeds that are planted last summer that are gonna get replanted this coming summer and the next summer and the next summer and how God will use those seeds over the course of a long period of time in some of these youth's lives. And we're already seeing the fruit. We're already seeing the fruit of some of these things. This summer, we, we did six cookouts that were incredible, right? And, and, and we're gonna continue doing those cookouts, planting seeds in the neighborhood. None of that would have happened if it weren't for these 27 people on the screen, right? Isn't that amazing? And, and, and so not all these people are still here with us. Some are and some aren't. But God used this group of 27 to get us to where we are today. And what's awesome is today we could take a photo of this room right now, of all of you here, and a year from now we could say the same thing. A year from now, we could look at the picture and we could talk about everything God did in a year. This morning, many more people got saved. This many more people got baptized. We got to share the gospel with this many more people and it's because of you. It's because you are here. It's because you are here today and that's awesome. So in this series, Life Together, three weeks ago, Josh did week four of the series and he talked about 1 Corinthians 12 which is this metaphor that the Bible uses to talk about the church and it says just as a body the one has many parts but all its many parts form one body so it is with Christ 
For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And the rest of the chapter goes on to talk about the body. And the body in chapter 12 is, is actually a dysfunctional body. Like the arm starts talking to the foot, or the, the, the eye and the ear and the foot. They're all talking to each other. And they're, they're like, body doesn't need you. No, I'm a, I'm a better body part than you are. You know, the body doesn't need you. So obviously the church at Corinth had some issues, right? And Paul's going, that's not how the body's supposed to work. The body works in unity together. Now, for me personally, I have experienced a dysfunctional body before. So uh, I, have, I have experienced a dysfunctional body uh, in, in my past. Uh, this picture on the left is my first ACL surgery. The picture on the right is my second ACL surgery a year later, so 2009, 2010. And then I went ahead and had so much fun having ACL surgeries, I had a third one uh, two years later, 2012. But by that time, you just stopped taking pictures, right? Because you're just like, this is just what you do, right? And so uh, this is me uh, after surgery, you know, on drugs and a 24-7 ice machine. And uh, I recommend never having ACL surgery. That's my, that's my sermon tip uh, for you today. Now, we as Mosaic, are not we are not dysfunctional the way I am in this picture or the way the, the church of Corinth was. But give us time, and we'll probably get there, right? Because we're humans, right? <laughs> give us time, and eventually we'll end up like the church of Corinth, and, and we'll have to have some of these, these same types of Corinth uh, conversations. But even though that's not where we are right now, I think there's still something about these photos that we can relate to. And we're going to come back to that later in the sermon. But we can we can think about, and you might think about on your own body, when all the parts aren't working in tandem, whether your, your leg fell asleep momentarily, you know, pins and needles, and you're trying to walk and, you know, that feeling, and like, how do you, how do you make that, right? You, you just know that when things aren't working in tandem, th that the body isn't working the way God designed it to work. The, God designed the body where all the parts are to contribute, not in the same way, my fingers don't contribute in the same way as my knees do or my ears do, but each part contributes in the unique way that God crafted that part to contribute, which is awesome, which is awesome. Now, I think this photo is more emblematic of the stage that we are at as a church at Mosaic. This is a picture of my youngest daughter, Brooklyn, on the day she was born. So she's five years old now. This is her on the day she was born. And this is really us as a church. I mean, we're, we're a year in from when we had our first launch team meeting. We're about six months in from when we had our grand opening, you know, our Sunday morning weekly services. We have a long future ahead of us. Just like you look at a picture of a baby and go, that baby has a long future ahead of it. But to get there, we have to do things to be healthy, right? That, you, that When you raise a baby, you have, to, you have to give it the right healthy nutrients that it needs to grow strong and to grow mature. You have to invest in that baby for it to grow. And it's the same in a church. It's the same in a church. So here's a couple other pictures that I think are emblematic of the stage we are at as a church right now. Uh, the, the one on the left, you're trying to get a fire started and you've got it started. Looks like you're using some pine needles to get going. Uh, but what does that fire need? What's that? It needs oxygen, fuel, like what? S some wood, 
some gas. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, it needs more logs added. It, it needs air, oxygen, and it needs more logs. It needs some smaller sticks next. You can't throw a big tree trunk on it. It'll put the flame right out. But it needs smaller sticks and then, small, and then larger twigs and branches, and then you, know, you can eventually get up into your, into your firewood. If it stays the way it is, what will happen? It's going to go out. It's not sustainable. It's beautiful. It's actually a miracle. Can you imagine discovering fire for the first time? Just, it's, it's a miracle, but it has to be fed. If it's not fed, it will go out. Uh, uh, th- this plant next to it someday will be a large tree if all goes well. Right now, it is a miracle that it is growing. But if you stepped on that sapling, that thing's done. It ain't coming back from that. And guess what Satan wants to do? Step on that sapling or stomp out that fire, right? That's what he's trying to do. And we trust God. Let me tell you this. We trust God that he will continue to do the miracle of keeping that fire going and keeping that tree going larger and larger, getting more and more mature. It's not up to any one of us. It's not up to any one of you. And guess what? It's not up to me. There's pressures off. The pressure's off. We're not saying it's, it's up to us to make this happen. But we collectively are trusting God that he will give us what we need. I would ask you to pray that for Mosaic, that you would just pray that God would give us what we need. Guess who knows what Mosaic needs? God. It's not me. Trust me. I'm praying for stuff, and God's like, how about you just pray that I give you what you need, and I'll show you what it is you need, (laughs) because you don't know what it is that you need. So pray that God would give us, as a church, what we need. Now, this is a, a really cool verse in the Bible. Isaiah was one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. He would go on to a very challenging ministry of telling God's people in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, telling them, hey, repent of your sin or you're going to get kicked out of the land. And God told him up front, they're not going to listen to you. He's like, so he says, who's going to go do this ministry for me? Who's going to tell the people the truth, but they're not going to listen? Who will go for me? And Isaiah 6, 8, Isaiah says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Now for some today, for some, not all, for some, God is giving you this same call to Mosaic Church. Some today, God is saying, hey, I need someone to go. Who will it be? And I would ask you today to consider if God is asking you that and what that looks like and if you could respond in the same way that Isaiah responds. To move what I would call from an attender to a participant. Attending is great, I mean, we are here for attenders. We want people coming and attending and meeting Jesus and meeting us. But there's also a stage, including those watching online, okay? So we have an audience watching live right now. We have an audience watching during the week. And again, for those watching online, just say, what does it look like to move from being an online watcher to an in-person attender? From an online watcher to an in-person participant. A shift from... And, 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 and it's, this isn't a bad mindset, but we initially enter into a church, what can I get out of this, right? What can I get out of this? And, and we want to get something out of it, right? We should. We should get something out of it. But I kind of see it, and we're going to break for our discussion questions here in a minute. I'm going to let you talk about this. I kind of see it like the difference between if you dine at a restaurant, picture the last time you went out to eat. 
you dine at a restaurant, you eat a meal, other people wait on you, and then you might go on Yelp and leave a review, right? Like the chicken was cold or the, you know, the air conditioning was up too high. Well, sorry, we can't figure out how to use the, the thermostat in here, right? Like, but we have these, these kind of thoughts about this or about this or about this. Uh, shifting that to what is the impact I can make here? So shifting from what do I get out of this to what is the eternal impact I can make here. Guess what I want to do with the rest of my life on this earth? Make an eternal impact. That's what I want to do. And, and what would it look like to shift your mindset, those watching online, your mindset from what do I get out of this to how can God use me in the stage I'm in, the gifts I have, the way he's wired me to make an eternal impact here. And I think that's powerful. And I think it's a powerful part of our maturity as a church. And I think of it as going from a diner, uh, 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 someone dining at the restaurant, someone, someone sitting down and eating the food and paying for it, to being like a co-owner of a co-op restaurant. So in a co-op, all the employees are owners. So everybody working the restaurant is also an owner of the restaurant. Think about that for a second. You're working at a restaurant, but you're not just a waiter or a busser or a manager. You're an owner. You're a co-owner with everybody else. I want you to think about that for a moment. And we're going to have you break up into groups uh, here shortly to talk about that. Now, uh, this stat I always hear in like church conversations as a pastor, 20% of church members do 80% of the work. And then down low it says, so the question is, how to get that 20% to press on to greater achievement? right? It's like, you're already serving, serve more. Um, I honestly don't think that's true of our church. I don't believe 20% of people do 80% of the work. I think 80% of our people are involved, or, you know, which is really, really, really awesome, and I'm super, super thankful. Uh, but this should challenge us still. We should, this should challenge our thinking. And the first thing I want to do uh, before we break into our groups is recognize those of you that already volunteer, now, I know not everybody's here today that volunteers, but I want to say thank you uh, to those of you that volunteer. So if you are a part of our praise team, our worship band, um, at any point, if you're in the rotation, I'd like you to stand. Stand, 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 stand. Lucero, you, ca- you count. Come on. Stand. Josh, can we give our worship team a hand for volunteering their time to lead us in worship? Mike, in the back. We're thanking our worship team right now. Mike walked in at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Now stay standing, worship team. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for your service. I thank you for your time. You're making an eternal impact. I'm so thankful. Thank you so much. You guys can have a seat. Thank you so much. All right, next. If you have ever been a greeter and or security team, could you stand? Greeters and or security team, could you stand? Kyle, Josh, Brian, Mike, you've been a greeter, right? Come on. Where's, uh, where's Mark? He's actively greeting or securitying right now. There you are. There you are. Okay. These four, let's give our greeters a hand. Greeters security team. <laughs> greeters security team, I say thank you to you for serving. You're making an eternal impact. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful. So thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. Uh, coffee Cafe team, please stand. Emily, you count as well. There you go. Joel, thank you. Can we give them a hand? Yep, Kyle, Dawn, wonderful. Stay standing. The five of you, 
thank you for serving on our cafe team. You're making an eternal impact. You are, when people come in and they can get a fresh cup of coffee, of good coffee and a snack and a smile and conversation, that breaks down so many walls that helps people be comfortable to hear the gospel for God to change their life. So thank you for making an eternal impact. Thank you. Let's give them another hand, please. Thank you. If you uh, have ever served on setup team, Saturday setup team, Sunday setup team, please stand. Please stand. John, you've been on setup team. Get up there. Get up. Stand up. All right. Let's give setup team a hand. We got, I keep, I don't want to miss you guys in the back. We got Brian, Abigail, and Alan as well. Stay standing. Setup team, we couldn't do any of this without you. We couldn't do any of it without you. It's a thankless job. Nobody notices. Everybody thinks it just happens on its own, but you make it happen. You get up early on Sunday morning. You come in on a Saturday evening to serve to serve God and to make an eternal impact. And I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful for each of you. Thank you. Can we give them another hand, please? Thank you. Uh, we, we don't have an official teardown team, but there's these magical elves uh, that they just magically take everything and put it away while we're socializing and I'm pastoring. And, and so if you are one of those magical elves, that, that has ever helped roll up carpet and put away AV stuff and tear down. Can you please stand? Uh, tear down magical elves. Please stand. Yes, please give them a hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tear down team. And again, I'm missing in the back Brian and Mike and Alan, so many of you guys who do this every week uh, with, the, with the tech stuff. Thank you for tearing down. We couldn't do it without you. We couldn't do it without you. Can we give them another hand? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, next, we have our audio video team. Audio video team, can you stand? Abigail, Brian, Alan. Alan, stand. Mario's not here. I know he's here like every single week. He's not here today. Uh, but Superman, Mario as well. Audio video team, you put in so much time and you have so much fun doing it. And I am in awe of you, and, and we just, I mean, and I, and, and I hope, I hope Mario's somehow watching this online, because there's so much that you guys do on the weekend to get this place up and running for Sunday, and we all are so thankful for our AV team, are we not? Can we please give them a hand? Yes. Amen. Amen. Uh, next, we have our section leaders, who are also small group leaders. So section leaders, please stand. Section leaders slash small group leaders. Can we please give them a hand? So our section leaders, who are also our Thursday night small group leaders, you are instrumental in pastoring this church. We, I don't tell you this, but you, we are a team of pastors. You, you are pastoring this church, and you're doing an amazing job, and I am so, so thankful for the way you love this church and the way you pray for people, and the way you come on Thursday to invest in people's lives, we are so thankful for you. So let's give our section leaders another hand. Thank you so much. You guys can have a seat. Uh, next, I would like our leadership team to stand. So leadership team, Josh, our newest member, stand. And Victoria, who is on a Sankofa trip right now down south, is not here with us, but would be here as well. Can we please give our leadership team a hand? Leadership team, I'm so thankful for you. 
you are in my corner. We are a team. You are my support. And I mean, I just can't, I would be lost without you. And I'm so grateful. And I'm looking forward to what God has ahead for us. You guys do so much behind the scenes that nobody ever sees. And I want to thank you for it. Can we give our leadership team a hand? Amen. All right, my last, uh, last, I want the kids ministry leaders that are in here, I know many are down there already, but some are in here, Hannah's in here, we have any other kids ministry leaders that are in here? Okay, Josh, stand up, all right, stand up, all right, we're going we're gonna to thank Hannah and Josh, I also have, uh, we're going to pass these around, right now, Jen, Crystal and Bryce are actively serving in the kids' ministry so that we can be out here. And so we're going to hand these cards around, and if you feel led to write a little note to, to them, uh, we're going to hand these, give these to them after church. So first, let's thank you to Josh and Hannah. Let's give them a hand. And you should have uh, pens to fill these out. I'm just going to start over here with you, Jake, and then pass these around and Brian, Allen, and Vac, if you can just make sure these make their way the whole way around. All right. I just want to say thank you. I am so, so grateful. You could see that, that, that we have a wonderful group here. We have a wonderful group, and, and, and I just... I am so thankful for you guys. Um, so uh, we're going to jump into our, our discussion questions now. And these, uh, these have to do with kind of where we're going in, in the sermon. So um, the, the first one is like my, my ACL injuries. Um, everybody has, once you start talking about injuries, you know, it's contagious. <laughs> you know, like I did this, I did this, I did this. Uh, I didn't share all the details of mine. Uh, but um, describe an injury or ailment where part of your body didn't work the way it was supposed to. Uh, you don't have to share, you know, anything too personal, but if you have any uh, fun, maybe right now there's something not working the way it's supposed to, uh, share that and the story behind it. And then number two, back to that metaphor I used, describe the rewards and the sacrifices involved in co-owning or working at a co-op restaurant. So picture the difference of being a co-owner where you're a worker at a restaurant, but everybody co-owns it. There's rewards and sacrifices involved in that versus the experience of dining at one, of, of being a diner, the rewards and the sacrifices. So you can open up to, if you have a Bible or your Bible app on your phone, I'd encourage you to check out John 13 today. I know that... Um, yeah, I didn't really do like a five-minute intro and questions. This is more like halftime questions, and then we're going to keep going. This next section should be kind of shorter, I think. Um, it's a little bit different of a sermon today than usual, because I, I want to um, do what we did, thanking our volunteers. And I just thought, what passage best exemplifies sort of the, the attitude and spirit that we're talking about today? And I thought about when Jesus washes his disciples' feet and we're going to just look at that passage real straightforward, nothing fancy, just to be reminded of the way Jesus lived and served. And it's just absolutely incredible. I love this passage. So first of all, there's this phrase in John 13, 3 at the beginning of this, this story and this narrative. And it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And when you hear that phrase, uh, you know, 
it reminds me of Lord of the Rings, right? Like, <laughs> I know not everybody here is a Lord of the Rings nerd like I am, but you think of power and you just go, what would you do if you were Jesus and you had all the power of God at your fingertips, right? And we think of these, on our best days, we think of these amazing things we would do for the world, these immaculate displays of power. And on our worst days, we think of ways we would serve ourselves, right, with that power. We would make sure that we were always served and we never had a want or a need that went unmet because we could do anything we wanted with that power. But Jesus, as he normally does, does something so unexpected with his power. And that's what we're going to look at together so I know there's a lot of text up here on the screen. That's why I invite you, if you want to open it up on your Bible app, on your phone, or in your Bible, this is just simply John 13, verses 1, uh, all the way through 30. We're going to try to just read through the chapter together, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some, some thoughts as we go. So uh, we're going to start with verses 1 through 8, and the Bible says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So Jesus is about to die, and he knows that. So the evening meal was in progress. This is what we call the Last Supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. There's that phrase. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So here's what he does. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Let's pause there for a second. One life lesson, don't say no to Jesus, <laughs> right? Just, just right, don't say no to Jesus, especially to his face. But why did Peter say no? He had a really, really good reason for saying no. When we think of washing feet, I don't know about you, it's just kind of gross to me. It's like, I don't really want to wash your feet. It's kind of smelly. Like, I'll serve you, but I'm good. Like, you wash your own feet, right? Like, here's a washcloth. You know, could <laughs> you think? In the first century, uh, they walked everywhere they went. You may have had like a pack animal, like a donkey, and you'd put your stuff on the donkey or the camel, but primarily you walked and you walked in homemade sandals, okay? So you walked in Birkenstocks, before they were Birkenstocks. You, you walked in little leather sandals, and you, you walked in the streets, and guess what the streets were filled with? Yeah, from all the pack animals, right? So you had the donkeys and the camels, and they're dropping their stuff in the street, and after a while, you just get used to it. You just walk through it, because it's part of the dirt at that point, and it's dirty and muddy, and if it rained, and it's not like these streets are paved. So you walk into, you know, somebody's living room who, who had, uh, you know, grew up in the house where mom and dad said, you will not walk in this living room with those shoes on, right? You will take those shoes off the ground. And some of you are like, that's me right now. Take your shoes off when you enter my house, right? Because you don't want your floor to get dirty. Well, in the first century, uh, it was 
this was a cultural practice that when you walked into a house, your shoes were nasty. I should say your feet were nasty. They had to be washed. And so we don't have servants today like they had in the first century, but they had servants. They had servants who were employees of this house, and it was the job of the lowest of the low servant to wash feet. So you had servants, and then you had foot-washing servants. Jesus was a rabbi. A rabbi means teacher. He was like maybe an equivalent of a pastor, but, but much higher than that because rabbis were seen as leaders in the community. They ran the synagogue. You had people who followed you. If a rabbi entered your house, this was a person of honor. And so when Peter says, you shall never wash my feet, do you see why he's saying that to Jesus? He's saying, I'm not letting you do this disgraceful act to me. You are not the lowest of the servants, Jesus. You are God. You're my rabbi, but you're my Messiah. I will not let you lower yourself in such a way. This would have blown Peter's paradigm of what a leader was supposed to do. And Jesus responds to Peter. And he says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And you got to love Peter. He, he, uh, I think Peter was an eight on the Enneagram, uh, like I am. And it's like, you just got emotions going everywhere. And you go from like, you will never wash my feet, Jesus, to, uh, you know, Jesus says, unless I wash, you have no part of me. He's like, well, then wash all of me. Like, just give me, it's like, I'm not washing all of you, bro. Like, calm down, man. Right? Like, what's wrong with you? Okay. So Jesus basically says that. In verse 10, he's like, look, Peter, bro, chill out. Um, the, well, Peter says, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus is like, your hands and head are fine. I don't need to, I don't need to mess with those. He says, those who have had a bath only need to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And, and you are clean. And here's what Jesus always does. He's always switching from the physical to the spiritual. He's going from the physical to spiritual. He goes, you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, so he washes their feet, he puts his clothes on and returns to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. This is really important. Do we understand what Jesus did for his disciples? And he explains it. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. You should do the lowest task for your brothers and sisters in Christ. You might say, why? That's beneath me. And Jesus says, well, I did it. <laughs> I'm Jesus. It wasn't beneath me, and I'm your Lord and your master. Do you understand what I've done for you? Verse 15, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. We're going to keep going. There's, only, there's one more piece of this passage that's really important for us to understand. Jesus has already said, not all of you are clean. He's already said, the text tells us he knows who's going to betray him. The disciples have no clue what is going on right now. And we're going to keep reading in verse 18. He says, I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. 
I am telling you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. Whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. One of his best friends is going to betray him. How do you feel if your best friend's going to betray you? Pretty upset, pretty messed up. Jesus was, was not immune to that. Jesus is 100% human. The text tells us he was troubled in spirit. He's troubled in spirit. And he says, one, he's going to betray me. Verse 22, his disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's a phrase John uses for himself, the author, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to his disciple and asked, ask him which one he means. Who's going to betray him? I need to know. <laughs> Leaning back against Jesus, John asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as, Jesus, as, soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Now, what you need to know about the rest of the story is Judas goes and he, he tells uh, the people trying to kill Jesus, he tells them where Jesus is and he leads the mob that comes to get Jesus and drag him to the cross. He betrays him with a kiss. Now let me ask you this question. Whose feet did Jesus wash? Whose feet did he wash? His disciples. Which disciples? All of them. He's like, Peter, I'm showing you my love right now. John, I'm showing you my love right now. Judas, I'm showing you my love right now. Thomas, he washes Judas's feet. The one who betrays him. I don't know about you, but I don't, that's not how I want to treat people that betray me. <laughs> There's something so amazing about Jesus' love. So amazing about his love. And, and, and he's, he's saying to you, hey, I love Judas. Trust me, I love you, okay? My love is for you. My self-sacrificing love is for you. I love Judas. Trust me, I love you. And for us as believers, he's saying, love in the way that I've demonstrated here. Serve in the way that I've demonstrated here. And we'll close out with this verse here. Um, I think I'm going to have the Isaiah verse last, but uh, this verse says, a new command I give you, love one another. The, by the way, a couple of verses later, this is how this passage ends. Love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. There is a unique type of love that Jesus alone gives us. And it's the love that he says, basically, hey, I want you to change the world with this love. 
This love is life-changing, isn't it? Can we say amen to that? This love is life-changing. You will not find this love in the world. And, and it is our goal as a church that you find this love here at Mosaic. This love is life-changing. And so I don't know what God's doing in your life, but God knows and you know. And I want to just leave you with this question. God says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Will you say to him, whatever that looks like in your life, here I am, send me. I want to be a part of making an eternal impact on this earth. Here I am, send me. If you're dining at the restaurant, that is totally okay. That is totally okay. But as we wrap up our Life Together series, God is calling some, God is calling some here to be a part of of an eternal impact movement, both at Mosaic Church and everywhere you go. Everywhere you go in your life, he's saying, I've put you as a missionary with your coworkers, as a missionary with your family, as a missionary with your roommates, as a missionary with your neighbors. I'm sending you. Shine my light, my love. Show them the love of Jesus. Draw them to Jesus with this type of love.